listening to Fox Sports Radio. Well, it's all over but the shouting as the 2021 NFL Draft is in the books. And I couldn't help but think about Kyle Shanahan's comments last Monday. You, you, you remember what, when he said something about how he couldn't guarantee any of us might be here tomorrow? Which reminded me of former NFL prospect James Egening. Now, he was a defensive end from Northern Illinois. He was actually drafted in 1996 by the Montreal Alouettes of the Canadian Football League. And they had very high hopes for him, except for one thing. He was dead. Not joking. I'm sure they didn't mean to. Unfortunately, it really did happen. And it underscores what I've said all along. This is an inexact science and an inexact art. But I digress. On that note, welcome back to another award-winning edition of Straight Out of Vegas, the weekend adaptation. I'm Bernie Fratto. We're coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio Studios. Tonight, we are all draft, 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 and more draft from NFL props to NFL futures to analysis to prognostication from a Las Vegas perspective, and who better to join us in studio tonight than Steve Fezzik, the only two-time winner of the Super Contest. And not only that, he did it back-to-back. So pull up a chair, spend the next hour with us, and tell your friends and family, too. They're all welcome. Sports are entertainment, but they're more than that. They are a shared experience. As such, people want to talk about them. You've come to the right place. We've got a lot to talk about tonight. This is Straight Out of Vegas, the pregame show you always wanted. And as they say in Herschel Walker, Minnesota, it's going to be lit. Fez, McKenzie, let's dive right in. And what I want to tell the folks uh, first is that this whole phenomenon about betting NFL props, draft props, is really relatively new. It was introduced in 2018 after uh, legalized betting, uh, the sports pass bill that George Bush signed into Congress in 1992, was overturned. And the reason was is because the local Las Vegas books knew we were going to have competition, so they had to create more products. But 19, or check that, 2018, there were only eight total draft props. This year, Fez, one book alone had 95 single-player props on when they'd go on the board. You've got some really good notes here in terms of how sharp late money affected things, a couple of bad beats, and just a general highlight reel of NFL draft prop version 2021. Well, the Vegas lights may burn a little less bright tonight because, frankly, it was a disaster for the Vegas books putting up those 95 props, Bernie. And the problem is there just isn't random events associated with the draft picks, especially early in the draft, like there is with point spread. So if you line a game at seven and it should be three and a half, yeah, you get the wrong number. But as a sportsbook, at least you're still going to win the game 35 or 40 percent of the time. But with the NFL draft, especially the first six picks, if you did nothing but look at the late steam money, and there was huge steam, we we all know about Trey Lance going third. He was a big underdog the day before to be the number three pick at about three to one. By the time he was picked, he was a minus 150 favorite. Now Vegas escaped that one because you can't bet on the draft the last 24 hours before the draft starts. However, money was pouring in already on Kyle Pitts to go fourth, Chase to go fifth, and certainly Waddle to go before 11. And frankly, across the board, up and down, the sharp money got the money, Bernie. It was a disaster for some of the sports books. You know, I'm on record as saying I don't bet props, and I don't. 
But, Fez, I know you're right. I talked to one a good buddy of mine who actually had the Raiders getting Alex Leatherwood at 30-1 to 1 because he knows Mike Mayock, likes to get out ahead of the room, and he knows that he likes Alabama and Clemson players and he wanted to draft a tackle. And, look, this guy started 41 games at Alabama, and he's, you're going to plug him in probably the next five years. But to your point, Fez, the books, this is one of those events where the, you know, the limits are less and they take it off the board 24 hours before because they really don't have an edge over the players because the players can get information which leads to things like that Alex Leatherwood bet cashing. Absolutely. And look no further than some of these quarterbacks. Mond and Mills, they were both expected to go, at least by the sports book, not until the third round. They were aligned at over 100 for their over-under, and both those quarterbacks just got pounded downward. Their closing numbers right where they actually got taken off in the mid-60s. So the closing number, very sharp. The opening number, literally, I would argue both those bets, probably 95% bets if you got either one of those quarterbacks under 105 in terms of where they'd be selected in the draft. Now, Mackenzie, one of the props had to do with Trey Lance and his draft position. It was under 6.5, 6.5, and originally it was plus 170. It got steamed to minus 250, but you actually had a little interest in that prop as well yourself. Of course. It was was one of those moments I'll always remember in the history of the franchise of the 49ers. Which direction are we going to go? I was, I was fascinated. I had my gut. I had my instincts. I had my memories of the kind of stuff that I like the Shanahan's to do, like 94 Super Bowl victory, 98 Super Bowl victory. And I wanted to see what was going to happen. I had no idea. I had no insider knowledge, but I was convinced Trey Lance was the perfect fit. So was Kyle, apparently. Well, listen, you take your victory lap because when you win, the rules say they must cash your ticket. Uh, I don't. This is exactly why I don't bet props. I will go down to my grave by believing that it was going to be Mac Jones and and Kyle Shanahan got outvoted for multiple reasons. We don't have time well, to. Wait, go. Why do you think that? Why does everybody think that? No one in the I'll, history has ever shown me the the receipt where he said, "I like Mac Jones. I like Mac Jones." In fact, I've heard him say, I like Trey Lance, I like Trey Lance, but we're just disbelieving him. We're just saying whatever he's saying is false. What other people are saying about him is true. Is that really what we're doing here? Well, that's your interpretation, and so you have poetic I'm license. listening to what he said, and you're saying it's false. You're calling my cousin a liar. <laughs> Point blank. That's what you're doing. Okay. That's what a lot of people are doing. No? No, I'm not doing that. I was in the middle of a narrative, and I didn't interrupt you, so grant me that same courtesy. I do believe this was unilateral. It was not going to be a unilateral decision. And we can debate this when I come into studio uh, next week or the week after. Uh, I guess we'll never know. If you want to know that badly, call him up. I mean, you, you, he's got your phone number. but I don't have to because I listened to the press conference and he said it point blank. So what? So what? Okay, McKenzie, so McKenzie. Again, I've, been, I've been sitting in crest. No, that's McKenzie. That is your terminology. I merely, okay. I talk. Okay. We're going, off of the, we're going off the rails a little bit here. I've sat in more press conferences since before, just about when you were born. I don't care what coaches say at press conferences. There's coach speak, and Kyle Shanahan, I think, is the master. He's got a little Bill Belichick in him. What I do believe is this. Initially, it was always going to be Mac Jones because this is a guy who grades incredibly high. San Francisco is a win-now Super Bowl team. I'm on record as saying I think they can win now. And, and... Jimmy G, although he's 24-8 and eight as a starter, he's missed 26 games the last three years, and he's missed games in each of the last three Septembers. If he goes down in this September, which I say is a possibility, maybe even a probability, 
I'm not wishing it on him. You're handing the car keys to a guy who hasn't played a game, who won't have played a game in 24 months, one game. The toughest team he ever played against was James Madison. He threw fewer passes. Now, again, I think he's a world-class athlete. I think he's got a chance to be another Steve McNair. He's going to take a long time to get there. He's got a big, long release, and he's got to learn to operate that offense. They're in trouble if they have to hand him the keys early. Mac Jones could have stepped in and had more success earlier. Now, we'll find out in three years who has the bigger ceiling. We don't know. You can't look into a crystal ball. I'm not calling anybody a liar. I'm using deductive reasoning. As it got closer, Mackenzie, if you've ever bought a house, if you've ever bought a car, you know which car you want, and then at the last minute you double-check of other things, and nine times out of ten you go with your original choice. But they didn't think they could sell this press conference. There was a lot of public pressure. You saw the war room clapping. I do believe he was outvoted. Be that as it may, I don't want to really get stuck on this tangent. We you can't, just want to believe what you want to believe. I got it. That's right. You're damn right I do. Good, Exa- good you're, you. you're exactly right I want to do. Uh, excuse me, you're exactly right. I'm going to believe the tremendous sources I have and the people I've talked to. And at the end, they change their mind. And that's what I'm going to my grave with. Okay. So uh, you, have, you could have a quick, quick rebuttal because we've wasted too much time on this. It's just it's hard for me to believe something and then have my cousin say exactly what I thought happened, which was at the end of January when they looked at the tape. It was unbelievable how much better he was than every other person by their scouting. Based on exactly what? <laughs> He's never seen the real bullets fly. I mean, you, I'm, I'm just, they, I'm just repeating what was said at the press conference based on their tape work. Guess who was limited? He only had 17 starts. Jones only had 17 starts. Limited hey, for that, both. That, that means nothing to they me. They said he was Can't, by Cam far Moon. the best prospect in January at the okay, end of their study. That's what they said. Okay, You're saying so, none of that's true. Okay. No, I didn't say that. You're, you're saying put, that they wanted Jones parsing, until the last week, okay, right? McKenzie, you're parsing words. He can say he was by far the best prospect. Did he come out and say, hey, we're going to go ahead and draft him? It's a, it's a slam dunk. Did he say that? Yeah, he said when we, we made the trade, we had one prospect in mind, and we were going to do our due diligence with all five, but we loved Trey Lance, and that's the person we were going to go and, get and, and March 26th when we per, made and, the trade. And you personally witnessed this conversation away from microphones? Yes or no? <laughs> that's the thing. We're going off two reports that he talked about. He said when I made the trade in Mexico, no, I you're immediately going heard off two reports. people talking about things that never happened, okay, and that wasn't true, and, three, and one month of coverage has been based on those two reports, which were denied by the source himself as literally – as soon as he made the draft pick, as soon as he could, I don't, I he don't denied care. those reports. As soon as he possibly could, he denied those reports. Yeah. Okay. Well, I have a. Then you're. What you are doing is essentially, and I'm not going to name names. I got a lot of sources, and as many of you see on TV, you're calling them all liars too. We've just wasted six minutes on nothing, and I don't really get the emotional diatribe. Take your victory lap, buddy. I'm telling you how I think they arrived there. We are not going to be in agreement on this, and it doesn't matter. All that's going to matter is if the 49ers win a Super Bowl under Trey Lance. You, we'll see what happens. That's all that's going to matter. And we'll see how Mac Jones does in San Francisco. Be that as it may, Fez, one of the things I want to share, uh, uh, highlight was the fact you talked about one of the popular bets was because there was so much offense taken in the first round projected. And you had a situation where there was even over under five and a half quarterbacks. There was one real bad beat for betters. Yes, so the over-under 18.5 offensive players and 
12 of the first 16. Offense, it continued. By the time we got to the 27th pick, boom, we were at 18, Bernie. So you had five picks remaining. Basically, you had a 31 divided by 32 chance or a 94% chance that you're going to win and you're going to get one more offensive player if each pick was 50-50. And many would make the case offense is more common 31st and 32nd. Teams want that five-year contract for a skill position player. It was not to be as defense came up five consecutive times. Bad beat for those who bet offense late over 18 and a half. However, there were some caches for betters. The folks who had Mac Jones at under nine and a half, the books came out okay on that. What were some of the other bets that were notable, Fez, having to do with NFL draft props? Boy, you know, I got to tell you, most of this team absolutely got there. The edge rusher Phillips from Miami was 21 and a half, and good reports coming out on him. All the money he drops down to 18 and a half, get this Bernie, and then he gets taken 18th by Miami. So he cashes by a mere half game. Pretty much everyone was betting Waddle to go before Smith. The Heisman Trophy winner initially was the favorite. But um, that 166 pounds, the narrative got out there. You 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 got to be careful with Smith, and because of that, pretty much I saw Waddle minus 280 to go before Smith. So Darisaw fell, the Virginia Tech O lineman in a lot of the mock drafts. He was like 14th by the time that the late mock drafts came out. And McKenzie does a great job with all those mocks. I think McKenzie, we saw him 20th, 21st, etc. By the numbers you were compiling, Darisaw goes 23rd. So if you followed the late projected moves, you did very very well. Which is exactly why draft props and props of any nature that a sports book puts out are always a little dicey because, Fez, I'm sure you'd agree, the books just simply don't have the edge over the players like they have on all the other straight bets, game bets, and such. By the way, for what it's worth, I have tremendous respect for Mike Sh- or Kyle Shanahan and Mike Shanahan. I'm not really sure why Chris Broussard would question Shanahan's offensive capabilities. I've told McKenzie off air many times. I think he's brilliant. I have great respect for John Lynch. The one thing I do know is they were sensitive about not making a mistake like they made in 2017 when the draft rolled around and they thought they were set with Blaine Gabbert and Colin Kaepernick. And in the third round, they went ahead and grabbed C.J. Beathard out of uh, Iowa, and they passed up on Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson. But I digress. Okay, whatever, McKenzie. Get yourself a cold McKenzie. Get yourself a cold compress, man. We got a lot of show left to go. Coming up, we're going to highlight some uh, some draft picks that are individual draft picks in the first few that I find interesting. Not only from an an NFL team point of view, but also from a Las Vegas point of view. Fez and I will chop that up just a bit. We had an interesting conversation earlier today on the phone about one particular team and how we think it might even affect their team total. I want to remind everybody, our draft coverage at Fox Sports Radio is all brought to you by NetSuite. You're still running your business on QuickBooks? Well, more like quicksand. The bigger your company grows, the faster you sync with outdated software. Right now, NetSuite is offering one-of-a-kind financing program. That's special financing at netsuite.com slash draft. netsuite.com slash draft. I'm Bernie Frado. We're coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio studios. This is the pregame show you always wanted, so don't go away. You're listening to Straight Out of Vegas. Straight Out of Vegas! The great Bernie Frado, folks. We are back on Straight Out of Vegas. 
the pregame show you always wanted. I'm Bernie Fratto coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio studios. Joined by Steve Fezzik and Mackenzie Rivers. And Fez, I want to start with a player that was drafted in the first round by 17 overall, the team that once drafted Sebastian Janikowski, 17 overall, guy by the name of Alex Leatherwood, tackle, Alabama. Had 41 starts. Um, one, Daniel Jeremiah, I think had him rated as the 62nd best prospect. I think the over-under in Vegas is 44. Okay, I'm not going to bash – uh, Mike Mayock, I like him. Uh, this kid's probably going to step in and start for the Raiders. I thought you had a particularly interesting take. Yeah, so if you're going to select a guy that every expert out there, wisdom of crowds, projects to go about 44th, and you're going to take him 17th, that is such an extreme, bold move. You almost have to be certain that you are better at evaluating talent than everyone else, not by just a little, but by an extreme amount. To use a chess-playing example, if you're Bobby Fischer, you can take your knight and play it out to the rim, like he did, by the way, in the 1972 pivotal Game 3 against Boris Spassky, and it's the right move, and you can see what everyone else can't see. But if you're not Bobby Fischer, if you're not the world's greatest grandmaster, you need to recognize it and realize you can't play Knight to Rook 4 in most cases, and you can't draft Leatherwood with the 17th pick in the draft. One quick non sequitur before I get to McKenzie. Uh, we noted, I noted, and you, there's been an uptick, the total for the Raiders over-under victories this year, 7.5 with a 17-game schedule, shaded to the under. And I like I don't think that's a good look for the Raiders. And by the way, this is on the heels of drafting Lynn Bowden Jr., who never played a Don for them, and also Clee Farrell, who's a good player but not worthy of where he was picked. Fez, I believe you've already fired on that total bet, right? Yes, I played under. And what's interesting, Bernie, is that you asked me to look at this total right before I left for the show. I took a look over at DraftKings, and this number in the Raiders had dropped to seven. And here's what's tremendously significant about this. The Raiders are one of the teams that's being talked about as as having a chance to get Aaron Rodgers. So if the Raiders get Aaron Rodgers, their season win number is probably going to go up to nine and a half. The fact that it's dropping shows how much the uh, experts hate this pick for the Raiders in the draft because very few teams saw any movement post-draft. Mackenzie, speaking of quarterbacks, you have a thought about the guy who was picked second overall headed to the New York Jets. First of all, I just wanted to say from the A block, got a little heated talking about my family, you know. So uh, nothing but love for you, Bernie. I, I'm, Twitter's exploding. There's a GoFundMe for our counseling sessions already. But don't, no worry, guys. No worries, guys. Me and Bernie, we go way back. So nothing but love. And before uh, you answer, let me just say one thing. One of the reasons I'm so vehement about this is because I'm tired of Mac Jones being bashed. I saw Booger McFarland cherry pick four sacks and say, well, see, he can't escape. And then I hear Steve Hartman today say, well, every time I saw him, he looked real comfortable in the pocket. Well, that's because you watched ESPN highlights. If you watched every Alabama game, you would know he was blitzed 124 times this year. By the way, he had the number one, he had the best statistics in completion percentage, touchdowns, and yards per attempt when he was being blitzed over any quarterback in the nation. One other final thing. I am aware that Mahomes and Watson went 10 and 12 respectively. The Niners drafted third that year and got Solomon Thomas, so they could have moved up just like they did for Trey Lance. Be that as it may, let's look forward. Go ahead, McKenzie. What are your thoughts on uh, on the number two pick? Yeah, we got Solomon Thomas at three. Could have had Christian McCaffrey. I know Kyle regrets that a little. 
Zach Wilson, everyone says he's the consensus number two best quarterback. Coming into the year, he was like nine. Coming into like January, he was like third or fourth, probably after Fields, definitely after Lawrence. So the Jets, for whatever reason, they've, they were smitten with this guy. They love him. They think he's, you know, Manhattan Broadway quality in his Brett Favre style. I mean, I, I, have, I have no reason to tell him different. I know Salah is a great football mind, and I'm excited to see what he does in New York. So I, I like the pick, you know, take a chance. If that's your guy, you know, prove it to him. I pick him second overall. I think the kid's a dog. He comes from BYU where he had better career numbers in school than Steve Young and Jim McMahon, who both won Super Bowls. He can make every throw on the field. Everybody talks about he didn't beat anybody. He beat Tennessee and USC his junior year. He can't, you know, they can't help with their schedule last year. They found out they were playing Coastal Carolina 48 hours before the game. They flew there the next day. He had one turnover on a Hail Mary pass. It wasn't his fault. He drives the team 95 yards with no time left, completes a pass. The guy gets tackled on the one. Um, I like. I agree with you, McKenzie. Uh, let her rip. Take, shoot your shot. Fez, we haven't even talked about the number one pick. Your opinion matters a lot, and I know the Jaguars didn't want to screw this up either. They once passed on J.J. Watt so they could draft a guy named Blaine Gabbert back in 2011. <laughs> yeah, so Jacksonville, you know, I am – I have concerns about Trevor Lawrence, and I think this is a big deal that he likes to hang out and spend time with family and friends on Sunday and doesn't watch football. Uh, I don't. Th I think he's getting a free pass for all these comments. I can't understand it, Bernie. Frankly, whenever I watch NFL quarterbacks, I oftentimes ask, I'll tweet about it, have they ever seen an NFL game before and know that you're supposed to go ahead and pretend to go for it here when you're actually punting because they've seen so, so many teams do things in so many certain situations to not have that um, experience in your head from watching games, I think it's a major concern. Coming from you, that means a lot, Fizz. And we've talked about this. Look, in the last 50 years, 44 quarterbacks picked one, two, or three, only two took their original team to the Super Bowl. Uh, that would be Troy Aikman and uh, Peyton Manning. Uh, guys, we just got about a minute left. I want to hear from each of you, but I want to – any final thoughts on this? I want to give my Detroit Lions top credit for drafting Panay Sewell. The guy won the Outland Trophy when he was 18 years old. Hasn't even grown into his body yet. You plug him in at left tackle for the next 10 years. Lions had an excellent draft. After years of covering all their drafts, watching him try to build the team from the periphery, they're actually building it from the inside out. Mackenzie, your final thoughts. I love that pick. I love picking a lineman because I don't know if Dan Campbell's going to be there in 10 years, but I bet that tackle <laughs> will be, and I bet he'll be making Pro Bowls. Right. And finally, uh, Fez, the Cincinnati Bengals, real quickly, again, they once passed on Dan Hampton, a Hall of Famer to the Bears, to draft Jack Thompson. Joel Burrow wanted Jamar Chase and got his wish. Might they have been better off drafting Panay Sewell? Yeah, Bengals already have two decent wide receivers in Boyd and Higgins. I think they wanted to keep Burrow happy. Uh, when he winds up on the DL after week six with another knee injury, I think they'll regret their uh, draft pick. I really think they should have gone with protection with Burrow. Yeah, you, you can never go wrong that way, Fez, and especially it was a shame because Joe Burrow was having a tremendous rookie season, and unfortunately he got hit more than Rocky Balboa, and he finally ended his season with the terrible knee injury. I look forward to getting him back next year. Coming up, we're going to chop up this Aaron Rodgers thing. What's the, really the reality that he might not be a Green Bay Packer next year? I'm going to add some semblance of order to this, and we'll also hear from McKenzie and Steve Fezzik. But first... Well, let's go to the man. Well, he's actually all teed up to fight the winner 
of Logan Paul and Floyd Mayweather in June. It's Bruin Finley with the latest. Oh, thank you, Bernie and, and Logan Paul. I don't know why he gets all the credit he gets, but he does, and we move on. Day three of the NFL draft, and we had rounds four through seven with former USC Trojan wide receiver Amon Ross St. Brown, notably going to the Lions in the fourth round. Oklahoma State running back Chuba Hubbard going in the fourth round to the Panthers. The kicker, the first kicker off the board was from Florida, Evan McPherson. He goes in the fifth round to the Bengals and UCLA hybrid running back slash wide receiver Demetric Felton going late in the sixth round to that stacked Cleveland Browns offense. In the NBA, the Jazz sprout out to half-game lead for first in the West over the Suns, thanks to Utah messing around and still beating the Raptors 106-102. The Jazz up-chucking 20 turnovers. The Nuggets stripped down the Clippers 110-104. to Kawhi Leonard got the start. He had 16 points. Denver is now 9-1 since Jamal Murray went down with that season-ending injury. Denver rises to third in the Western Conference. The Clippers dropped to four. And Luka Doncic had 20 assists in a Mavericks win over the Wizards, 125-124. to So now Dallas is brewed in that fifth spot in the West. And the Lakers, by virtue of a tiebreaker, go to number six. In baseball, the fading Dodgers lose their 10th game in their last 14 contests after blowing it against the Brewers 6-5 in 11 innings. L.A. starting pitcher Dustin May came out in the second inning after feeling pain in his throwing motion. Mike Trout connects on a home run as the Angels suplex the Mariners 10-5. The Padres streak past the Giants 6-2. Blake Snell gets the win on the mound. The Rangers shove aside the Red Sox 8-6. Boston left 10 on base and the Cardinals skewer the Pirates 10-5. St. Louis has won seven out of their last nine contests. And finally, Medina Spirit takes the Kentucky Derby. Now, with that, let's get back to a man, Bernie Fratto, who side hustles as an airport arrival terminal limo driver. Yes, he is a Vegas staple. It's Bernie Fratto. <laughs> Somebody stole my stapler like Milton in office space, but that's a conversation for another day. All right, uh, look, Aaron Rodgers, you may have heard of him. He plays for the Packers, and he's uh, dating Shailene Woodley. He's a pretty good player, three-time MVP. MVP last year, 13-3, almost went to the Super Bowl. All right. Let's let's try to calm down and add some semblance of order to this most recent diatribe. I would just say this. If the if the Packers actually trade Aaron Rodgers, they before June 1st, they're going to take a 32 million dollar cap hit. If they trade them trade him after June 1st, it becomes a 14 million dollar cap hit and you become the GM that can have that on your resume for the rest of your life because I don't know what you're going to get in return, but you will go from a 13 win team to about a 6 or 7 win team. Meanwhile, if Aaron Rodgers, he's really only got a couple years left, and he's going to turn 40. If you really think he wants to walk away, well he's going to have to repay the Green Bay Packers, $23 million in prior uh, contract bonuses that he's already received. Do you really think he wants to do that? I say we put this on pause, guys, and let's see where we are in July or August. I'm of the belief he'll be under center or in the shotgun for the Green Bay Packers come opening day. Mackenzie, your thoughts? Of course, in Vegas, you can't bet this kind of thing. This is very subjective. But, of course, there are faraway places where you can bet this kind of thing. And odds makers around the world agree with you, Bernie Fratto. About a 75% chance week one, Aaron Rodgers will be under center in Titletown. Yeah, I, I, I think 
again, cooler heads have to prevail. Now, Fez, one of the things I'd like you to weigh in here, because I was on Arnie Spaniard's uh, local show the other day in Vermont, and they wanted to know, well, if, if Aaron Rodgers says he goes to Denver, let's say, what does that do to Denver's futures and Green Bay's futures? And, of course, I say Green Bay's would sink like a rock. Denver's might raise slightly. But I don't think we're ever going to get to that point, and the world is a vexing enough place without talking about a bunch of hypotheticals. But what the hell, Fez? It's a late Saturday night here. We all don't know if we're going to be here tomorrow. The bottom line is this. The bottom line is this. What are your thoughts, Fez, on this whole ordeal? So Denver right now is a a 7.5 win team. I should say a few days ago they were projected to be a a 7.5 win team. Now, amazingly, they're a 9 win team. Many feel he actually, Denver is going to get Aaron Rodgers. Seems like an overcorrection to me, but I'll say this. If Aaron Rodgers does go to Denver, their season win number would go up to 10.5. Denver would go from the current number 24 team in the NFL to the number 5 team in my power rating. So a huge upgrade. But I think you nailed it, Bernie. What's more than likely, going back to your office space and Milton, despite Milton's complaints that... I, I was I was told I'd I, I'd get a wide receiver. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna take uh, more defense and 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 maybe another backup quarterback. Yeah, despite Milton being disappointed, Aaron Rodgers, I think he'll be there come the fall. Well, fortunately, they didn't ask him for any TPS reports. Uh, both of you guys, look. The bottom line is this: Fez, you're an you're an actuary, and Mackenzie, you've been doing this long enough. You can set odds. What are the odds, Fez, you make that Aaron Rodgers is the starting quarterback week one in Green Bay? 65%. Wow, that's lower than I thought. Mackenzie, how about you? I'm with Fez. I think it's lower than 75, the current offshore odds. I think it's like 60%. Seems like there's a lot of smoke here. Okay, but, oh boy, I hate to go down this rabbit hole. But let's say it is the Broncos. What can the Broncos possibly offer Green Bay that would make them willing to not only take the cap hit, but also significantly, if not completely, destroy their chances of winning the NFC North, if not going to the Super Bowl? Nothing. I mean, well, the, the, the Broncos are a team that's got good overall talent, and you ship Jerry Judy. But, I mean, let's face it, the Raiders make so much more sense. Why? The Raiders have a good quarterback. Carr is an above-average quarterback. Denver has two bad quarterbacks. Teddy Bridgewater, Carolina thought Sam Darnold is better. And let's not even talk about Drew Locke. So it's going to be extremely difficult to find any trade that's going to be palatable for Green Bay with Denver. Mackenzie, you? I agree. I mean, you can give them four, five, six first-round draft picks. I don't even know if that's legal by NFL rules, but Matt, Matt LaFleur doesn't want to rebuild. You know, he has a contender. Right. So does, Same with Brian Gunekis. They have a contender. This is a rare moment in your life. you got four or five years, talented enough, good enough, smart enough to try to go win that Lombardi trophy. That's all they're thinking about. This has got to be, you know, turning in their stomach right now. I mean, how is that really going to go over in Town if you've got someone under center? I guess it would have to be Jordan Love. It would just be an absolute disaster. You know, just to digress for a second, one of the things people talked about with, between Mac Jones and uh, and Trey Lance was, well, they only had 17 starts. Well, if you can play, you can play. There was a guy by the name of Cam Newton who entered the league a few years ago. He only had 14 starts. So I don't care who you are. Joey Harrington had a ton of starts at Oregon. How did that work out in the NFL? You either grasp what this takes or you don't. And I think one of the biggest reasons – Green Bay is in contention every year is only because of Aaron Rodgers. Obviously, it seems to me like Mike McCarthy didn't do the job 
people would hope he could do. I know, I know it's revisionist history, it's retrospect. And I also think that Green Bay Packer fans, they're a little nonplussed about only winning two Super Bowls in 29 years when you have back-to-back Hall of Fame quarterbacks. How are they going to like it if they go a bunch of years and not make it to playoffs? Mackenzie, Fez, we only got about a minute. You each got the last word. Fez? Green Bay, the downgrade if Rodgers left and they went with Love, nine points per game. Oh, that's that outstanding. Equ- go ahead. That would equate to a six-and-a-half win season for Green Bay instead of an 11-win season with Aaron Rodgers. And, Mackenzie, if the Packers take the field in – Soldier Field and Justin Fields is starting at quarterback, and it's not Aaron Rodgers. What do you make that line? Bears by by six. Bears wow. by six. I mean, they I got gonna, a rookie quarterback themselves, so maybe not that much. I don't know. What do you think, I was, Fez? I was going to say three. Fez? Oh, no. Six is the number. That's a good number. So Justin Fields versus Jordan Love, you'd make Justin Fields minus six. I hate to say it that way. I'd make the Chicago Bears minus six. <laughs> but you, but you know, a, a quarterback is everything when it comes to the spread. You know it. You know it is. Right, and Justin Fields it, just got a huge so, ele- so, number eleven draft pick. Jordan Love. So, I don't think anyone thinks he's a starter right now. I, I no, have I, both those quarterbacks close to equal, actually. Okay, oh. I, well, not to be that guy, but then using your earlier analogy, Fez, then if Aaron Rodgers takes the field, you're making the Bears uh, a three point home underdog. Is that fair? You said it was worth nine points, about right. Yes, so okay. exactly right. Well, that, then that, that, that makes the argument for you guys. I'll go to setting spreads in futuristic games that would never take place for 50, Alex. <laughs> All right, he's Mackenzie <laughs> Rivers. He's Steve Fezzik. I'm Bernie Fratto. Coming up, we're going to talk about some final thoughts. And, by the way, there's a full slate now of NFL Rookie of the Year draft or odds for individual players. We'll take a dive into that. I'm going to make kind of a bold prediction who I think should be the leader in the clubhouse, but they're not. As a matter of fact, he's got very long odds. I'm Bernie Fratto. We are coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio studios. This is the pregame show you always wanted, so don't go away. You're listening to Straight Out of Vegas. Straight Out of Vegas! One of the best in the business, Bernie Fratto. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. Hey, I'm John Middlecoff, and I host the 3 and Out podcast. Do you like football? Do you like the NFL? Do you like the NFL draft? Quarterbacks? Coaches? Well, I talk about it all on the show. I used to work for Andy Reid as a scout. Now I give you my unfiltered and raw opinions on everything that goes on in the NFL. And you know we're talking college football because of how important the draft is year-round. Listen to the 3 and Out podcast with me, John Middlecoff, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We are back on Straight Out of Vegas, the pregame show you always wanted. I'm Bernie Fratto coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio Studios. I want to remind you that Discover matches all the cash back you earn on your credit card at the end of your first year. It's amazing because Discover is accepted at 99% of places in the U.S. that take credit cards. Learn more at discover.com slash yes. 2021 Nielsen Report limitations apply. Before we get on to our subject matter, I want to thank my broadcast team back in Los Angeles, Ryan Bershinger, Chris Perfett, and Bruin Finley. As always, great job tonight, guys. And by the way, good research work by McKenzie and Fez during the break. Fez, you actually have the official look-ahead line for that said game in Soldier Field between Green Bay and Chicago. And McKenzie confirmed the line. Go ahead. 
It's actually a look back line, Bernie. Week 17, the Bears were indeed a four and a half point home underdog hosting Green Bay. Green Bay won the game by 19. So if Green Bay was laying four and a half, week 17, fast forward to this year, have to expect that Green Bay does regress a little bit from that 13 and three year. You know what I said? Minus three. I'm going to go ahead and, and bump it up. Green Bay minus three and a half would be my line that's not out yet anywhere for this year's game. Right, we got a little bit off on a tangent. The, the, it was about a, it was about a potential hypothetical matchup between Justin Fields and Jordan Love, since he's allegedly the heir apparent to, Green, uh, to Aaron Rodgers. But I don't think Rodgers is going anywhere anyway. But we shall see. We shall see. All right. One of the great things about living in Vegas uh, is that. Right away, the sports books here, multiple shops, multiple choices, continually offering products that you can bet on. One of them happens to be the Futures Bet NFL Rookie of the Year. Within hours after the draft, the, check that, the first round was completed. You had multiple players and their respective odds to win Rookie of the Year. So I'm not going to go through the whole list. I went in on an Arnie show. The, the name that jumps to me, uh, both of you guys, is Najee Harris of the Pittsburgh Steelers at 18-1. to He's going to be their bell cow. That's a run-first offense. It's set up for success, and I will tell you, every time I saw Najee Harris in big games, he was a man among boys. I don't know how he doesn't step in and have a stellar year. Do you guys either agree or disagree, or do you have a, a, a rookie of the year candidate that you would be willing to fire on uh, maybe the odds aren't as long as Najee Harris, but, again, the only value is betting the winner. So, Fez, you? You know, I can't do it with the running back, and probably I'm just overly biased because I fired on Clyde Edwards-Hilaire last year to win Rookie of the Year, and he had a couple good games and then faded completely despite being what seemed to be the obvious uh, in the obvious spot to have a monster year for Kansas City. So I think I would have to go quarterback – I can't go Zach Wilson with the Jets, so I'd go with the obvious with Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, but he's going to spend – okay, I'll tell you what, let's look ahead. By the way, you're not wrong on Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. I think a lot of people got sucked in. Totally different offense there. They spread the ball totally differently. Mackenzie, do you have any thoughts on NFL Rookie of the Year? Najee Harris actually seems like a good pick to me because I think they will have you know, a Le'Veon Bell-type workhorse back. And the thing about these quarterbacks, it usually does go to a quarterback, Trevor Lawrence, plus 325, the favorite right now is I think this year they might balance each other out, especially if none of them are playoff good, if they're just kind of good, like Justin Herbert this year, but on a bad team. You know, Justin Fields could be doing that. Trevor Lawrence could be doing that. And then a sneaky pick like Kyle Pitts, I think, at 12-1 to 1 would be very interesting. Being a lesser role on a more successful team often lands these awards. Yeah, no, that's a good one as well. Uh, Trevor Lawrence, I'm glad you mentioned plus 325 because he opened up at plus 250, which means I don't think he's getting a lot of run. There's not a lot of value there at plus 250. Then you got Zach Wilson at plus 450. I like the kid. I think it's going to be a struggle in New York. I don't know who would step in there as a rookie and win. But then you've got Justin Fields in both Mac Jones and Justin Fields at 6-1. to one. Here's the issue. I think Mac Jones will be starting by week five. I'm not sure when Justin Fields will be starting, but I would say not much longer than that unless the Bears do something goofy down the stretch and Andy Dalton finds the fountain of youth or something. Trey Lance at 9-1, to one, I don't know how you do that because you don't know when he's going to set foot on the field. Jamar Chase at 14-1 to one is also a guy that you have to take a look at because if you looked at his film at LSU, he was dominating guys two years ago. They were in the NFL last year. McKenzie, Jamar Chase, thoughts? It's all about Joe Burrow's health. I mean, we 
We're hopeful that he comes back week one, but that connection, that LSU connection is going to be huge as far as how, how he jumps out the gate successfully or not. Fez, any thoughts? I like the fact that Pitts is playing with Atlanta, an Atlanta team that's catching money, one of the few teams that we saw move on the season wins, up from seven to seven and a half. So Atlanta's one of these few teams that's actually projected to be close to 500. That would favor Pitts. And NFL scouts have already labeled Kyle Pitts as what you call a gold jacket player. This is a guy that you can look at and buying something unforeseen. It wouldn't surprise anybody if he ends up in the Hall of Fame. He is a transcendent player. I think his bust potential is almost zero. God forbid he gets injured. Guys, I hate to ask this question. Final question for both of you. Who in the first round has the biggest bust potential? Wow, I wasn't. Pins. No, I'm just <laughs> I was not ready for for this question at all. No, I think it never I'll go is. With the, I'll go with the obvious. You know, everyone's saying you know Leatherwood. Maybe the Ra- Raiders. It might have been a little bit of a stretch, but he's going to be a solid pro. You know what? I'm going to say bust Leatherwood. Yeah, I like what you said earlier on the phone today. I got a real kick out of how how you sort of uh, really. And again, I like Mike Mike Mayock, but you know what, guys? You, you got to win a game. You got to go to the playoffs. You can't just look cute. And then all of a sudden, you know, have this deal. Mackenzie, your thoughts? I know this was kind of a shot between the eyes question. Here's a shock for you. Biggest bust potential. Also, the I, I think he's going to be the best player in the league next in a couple of years. Trey Lance. It's boomer bust time in San Francisco. Well, I think what we want to do, guys, in three years, let's compare notes. Because I, like, I think the world of Trey Lance, I just think he's a lot further away than Mac Jones. But you never know. I gave the stats at the beginning of the show. I want to thank Mackenzie for joining us tonight and Steve Fezzik for joining us tonight. I'm Bernie Fratto. That is going to do it for this week's edition of Straight Out of Vegas. We'll be back next week with more hijinks. But don't go anywhere. The man from Nashville, the new father, he's a great guy, Jason Martin. Keep it locked right here on Fox Sports Radio. Straight out of Vegas!